This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Good morning and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, a couple different ways you can reach out to us, but the easiest way is just to go to jonesfinancialtalk.com. Lots of great resources on our website, including our radio page. You can click there and listen to any past shows, all the educational shows that we do. Uh, Would love to have you check those out as well as uh, request any specific information to your specific situation. And listeners, you know, from time to time, there's quite a bit of new financial regulation that occurs in my industry. Um, Many of these situations uh, are not interesting to talk about, but some (laughs) are very interesting when it has to do with what you would be interested in and how it's actually going to affect your retirement planning. And so today I'm going to bring in my co-host, Tony Shore, to help us discuss a little bit more about the SECURE Act and the most recent update the SECURE Act 2.0. Well, this is the hot topic right now in the world of finance, especially for our listeners out there who are have retirement accounts or are in retirement or saving for retirement, which is the majority of us as adults, hopefully. And uh, I love the full honesty disclosure at the beginning of the show where a lot's happening. Uh, It's not all interesting to talk about. (laughs) I love that. Uh, In full disclosure, uh, talking about uh, (laughs) finances isn't always rules, regulations. I mean, you know, the IRS tax code. Yes. But seriously, the SECURE Act, you know, uh, the original one was passed back at the end of 2019, uh, just before the. That's correct. Kind of when the COVID thing. broke or right before then. So that was, that was interesting. So, um, uh, we're going to, you know, there's lots of good things that were uh, involved with that first secure act, Tony. And, you know, um, I think it's important for us to understand like why we are talking about this and what we're trying to accomplish. And so, you know, the primary purpose of both, uh, the secure act 1.0 and 2.0 is, um, to encourage more businesses to offer retirement plans to their employees and also to encourage employees to save more for their own retirement. And why do you think that is, Tony? Why do you think that is? Well, because Social Security can't cover cover it and because not enough people are saving for retirement or at least saving enough. So the government's trying to give incentives for people to save more on their own and rely less on Social Security. Perfect. Did I nail it? You know exactly what's going on. You nailed it. (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) Well, and, you know, it's important for us to maybe talk about the key provisions that were back in 2019 and and what that really did. And then we can dive in more to the 2.0 Secure Act today. But, you know, first and foremost, um, the original Secure Act increased tax credits to encourage um, the establishment of more retirement plans. It gave employers some tax breaks and uh, further um, kind of pushed them in direction to continue to create retirement plans for uh, their employees. That's a good one. Yeah. And and more tax credits for the employers 
to establish plans. Uh, those Not all employers had retirement plans as part of their benefits package, but the government's made it more and more attractive. That's right. And it, um, it really expanded, you know, the plan eligibility for many different workers. For instance, um, long-term part-time workers that worked maybe half the year did have the ability now to be able to contribute to some of their employer plans um, where they didn't before. Um, It also repealed some age limitations on individual retirement account contributions so that more people, even even if they're getting older, can continue to contribute. Oh, that's a big one because there were some pretty strict age limits on when you could contribute to an IRA. You had to stop at some point. So I'm glad they took away those limitations. Definitely. Now, there was also some modifications that were made that, um, in my opinion, were not as tax friendly to clients and, and um, you know, anybody that would be inheriting accounts. And what I mean by that is they modified the stretch rules for most non-spousal beneficiaries, meaning if you are not a spouse uh, inheriting an IRA, you now are limited to the amount of time that you need to spend that account down. It's 10 years for a, a real person, and it's as low as five years for an estate or a trust. Mm. Wow. So you have to, that's a bad move because used to be you could stretch an IRA. If uh, if my parents left me an IRA, I could stretch it out indefinitely. And even, even to that's my right. children, now you have to pull the money out and pay taxes on it within a 10-year period. Exactly correct. Or five years if it's left wow. to a trust or to uh, just your estate. And so that's something you definitely need to talk with your financial advisor about. I mean, and think about this. If if you're, you know, most people that pass away, say in their in their 80s or 90s have children or grandchildren that are in their 60s or 40s that are still working. Um, if you have to distribute all of this money out of these accounts within a 10-year period, it adds just insult to injury because whatever their income is that they're making today, now they have to add X amount more dollars to that to take the money out in 10 years. Yeah. See, that's huge. And that's, that's interesting. So I know that there are, um, there were changes in the original secure act as well for required minimum distributions. It bumped up, uh, then in 2020 from, uh, 70 and a half to 72, but they've changed that again. So we'll talk about that later, uh, when we get into the new secure act 2.0, but in the original one, they made changes to RMDs as well, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. And who knows why we had a age of 70 and a yeah, half. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm glad they got rid know? of that finally, though. No more halves. Totally. So they need to change the 59 and a half rule as well. Yeah, no idea why the half ages come into play here, but you're correct. Um, the original Secure Act 1.0 pushed the required minimum distribution age out to 72. Um, and then the last main thing that that did, <clears throat> the, the first act did, is it encouraged employers to offer guaranteed lifetime income options in retirement plans? So annuities. And this is something we'll talk about. Yeah. Yes. Um, and actually, it was completely re, re, um, revamped in, in the 2.0 um, section of the SECURE Act that we'll talk about here oh, um, excellent. shortly. Excellent. And it's good because because those products, uh, those insurance uh, options have changed and improved so much over even the last 5, 10 years. They keep improving them. Uh, you know, like fixed index annuities with uh, no fees, things like that, uh, that used to really inhibit annuities or make them less attractive. Now they're largely attractive. So as a retirement vehicle, so I'm glad to hear they've included that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, there's so many key provisions that are going to take place in the new uh, Secure Act 2.0. Uh, maybe we should jump in. There's quite a few. You already mentioned one that's very important, Tony, and probably top of mind for most people, which is the required minimum distribution oh, age. Yeah. Right. And so that is um, <clears throat> increasing this year from the age of 72 to 73. Oh, wow. And it will actually be projected to increase to the age of 75 10 years from now in the year 2033. So this year, starting this year, uh, you, uh, if you're not already taking RMDs or qualified, uh, you can wait until 73 to start taking your RMD. Yes, that's right. So it's the year that you turn 73. And you don't have to take it at any specific time. You just have to take it before the year is over. Right, right. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> um, it also did quite a few other things. Um, the, the Secure Act 2.0 increased the catch-up contributions under retirement plans and IRAs. And this is to obviously incent more people to save more money before they're done working, clearly. Um, and so those limits, um, if you're over 50, increase to over or up to $7,500. And um, they will eat. They will even conti continue to to go up over the years, um, increasing to the greater of about ten thousand dollars is what what they're kind of looking as a threshold. Ten thousand more is what they want uh, people in their sixties to contribute to contribute. Yeah. So yeah, what I heard is ages sixty to sixty three, they can contribute ten thousand uh, dollars catch up contribution. That's that's fifty percent right. more than a regular, right? That's yeah. phenomenal, right? So they want to give more people the opportunity to do that. Um, sometimes it makes sense for you to do that on the traditional side and get that tax right off up front. Other times um, it doesn't, and they want you to actually, or I would tell you to consider putting it on the Roth option side. Right. right. Yeah, I know we've talked a lot about Roth IRAs, and I know there's uh, there's some uh, Roth talk uh, in this one we're going to get to as well uh, coming up here, but that's 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 important, isn't it? Definitely. And, you know, Roth options are probably one of the best key things to consider doing in the tax code today, uh, utilizing the Roth IRA, because you don't get the tax deduction up front, but all the money's going to grow tax free. You never have to pay taxes on, on it any of it, after even the growth, the principal right. or the growth. Uh, exactly. And also importantly, you never have to take a required minimum distribution from it. So you're not forced at the age of 73 to now start drawing down the account. You can leave you can it there take, as long as you want. You can take it out when you need it, not when they mandate you take it. And that's the key, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And, you know, Tony, there are four main things that the Secure Act 2.0 did for Roth oh, accounts really? specifically. Okay. okay. So the first is um, it expanded Roth contributions um, and al now allows them for a couple of different key specific retirement plans called Simple Retirement Plans and SEP IRAs. And the employer contributions and employee elective deferrals, if permitted, can actually be designated as Roth instead of pre-tax. So like now. if my employer offers a Roth 401k, which hopefully if you work for somebody, that employer offers that option, because like you said, there are a lot of advantages to a Roth and there are traditional 401ks and Roth 401ks. So now you're saying before, if, if let me get this straight, correct me if I'm wrong, you uh, employers could only do the match to the traditional 401k. Uh, now they can offer a match if they so choose to the Roth 401k option. That's, That's exactly right. <clears throat> it is. And you know, the 401k was really the only vehicle that you could use 
um, previous to this act other than a Roth IRA to put money away. Now, the interesting thing is small businesses typically don't have 401ks because it's so expensive and costly to administer. So what they have typically used is what are called simple and SEP IRAs. Now, that money that goes into those two types of small business retirement plans can actually be Roth contributions rather than traditional wow. contributions as well. That's a huge thing for those small businesses. Oh, I'm glad businesses. you pointed that out. I missed that. That is huge. Yes. <clears throat> and so and so that's that's great obviously. Um also it um that the act um has catch-up contributions for Roths. So for those with incomes that exceed 145,000, uh catch-up contributions will be designated as Roth contributions if you so choose, which is that a huge is thing. Um Another big one that should have been probably organized before um, is it completely eliminates required minimum distributions for Roth 401k accounts. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know why there was an RMD on a Roth, any type of Roth account, because Roth IRAs, there are none, but Roth 401ks, there was an RMD, but now they got rid of that, right? That's right. So that's going to actually start in 2024 and you'll no longer need to take um, a, a Roth uh, a RMD from any Roth 401k. Wow. Account. So, so far the, the uh, Secure Act 2.0 sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of really, really good things that are built sure. into it. The next thing, which is something I'm extremely excited about because it's been a difficult topic to talk to people about for long-term planning is specifically related to college savings plans or 529 sure. plans, Tony. So let's step back and just talk about those for a second. So a 529 plan or college savings plan historically was obviously used for one thing, to save for uh, a child to go to higher education. And there's lots of things that have changed in the tax code that make it more beneficial, uh, meaning you can use it for vocational schools, you can use it for room and board, you can use it for uh, supplies and books and tuition. But the problem that a lot of people have is if you start saving for somebody at a very young age, what if they don't go to school? Right. You know, and so what happened is the majority of the tax code said, well, um, we're going to allow you to still have the benefits of the college savings plan in a 529 plan. Um, and how can you do that? Well, you can just pass that money to some other heir, a different beneficiary, somebody else in your family, you know, um, and they'll get the to be able to use the benefits. And remember, the whole reason why somebody would want to start a 529 plan is because the money that they put into the plan in some states is a tax deduction, not in Oregon though, hardly ever in Oregon, but um, more importantly, the money grows tax-free, okay, throughout the entire life of the 529 plan, and then you never pay taxes on any of that growth as long as it's used for higher education expenses, okay? So along the way, your child, between the ages of one and 18, let's say you save, um, you put 10 or Ten thousand dollars in there, and let's say it's worth twenty thousand at the end of eighteen years. You're not paying taxes on that ten thousand dollars in growth if you use it for higher education. Okay, so that's a great, great thing that I've talked to many, many clients about. But if you don't have multiple children, or um, your child decides not to go to school, it can it can add a little bit of insult to injury because what happens if you don't use it for higher education? You're paying a penalty in taxes to get that money out. All right. And so what this act specifically did is now it is going to allow 529 plans to be rolled over into Roth IRAs. This is huge, Tony. It really is. Um, And so there are a couple stipulations, you know, and starting in 2024, 
the beneficiary of a 529 plan can roll over up to $35,000 during their lifetime to a Roth IRA. So huge, huge benefit. Now, the rollovers will be subject to annual contribution limits, and the 529 plan has to have been opened for more than 15 years. Sure. And so the reason for that is typically, <clears throat> you know, you're going to open the account when the child is pretty young. And so they have to that become way, of age over 18. That way people aren't just going to open it last minute just to get yep. a tax benefit and roll it then <clears throat> exactly into right. Roth. Yeah. Exactly right. So, but the cool thing here for me is, you know, the government's doing something very, very nice, um, uh, allowing us to continue to keep the the hard work that we've 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 put into saving uh, on the tax side to be able to um, expand that into the Roth side, which is an amazing legacy p- tool for for so many Americans yeah. for sure. Well, and let's take a moment here, a quick break to uh, just to give that website out to our listeners if they want to get a hold of you, they want to get more information. I know that you have a great team there at Jones Financial Talk, Jones Financial. Uh, What is that web address? Sure thing, Tony. So if you just go to jonesfinancialtalk.com, lots of great information on our website. We've got many different sections that you'd be interested in depending on kind of your planning stage in your retirement account. Um, or, or also many other things um, like insurance um, and Medicare. So we are here to help you. Uh, please take us up on that offer and check us out on the web. All right. Sounds good. Well, we're going to keep rolling with the show today. This has been a really good one. We're going over uh, some of the key changes uh, that have just been enacted with the Secure 2.0 Act of 2022, or the Secure Act 2.0, as it's called. So we've talked about some Roth changes. Uh, what's next? Yep. So uh, many people probably remember that um, when um, the Secure Act 1.0 came out, one of the key things that you know Congress was trying to get people to understand was you got to contribute more to your own retirement plan. And one way that they did that is they came up with um, automatic enrollment inside 401ks and 403bs. Okay. And um, originally they thought, well, we're going to basically tell every employer if they want to get a tax deduction or some type of credit for setting the plan up, we want them to automatically enroll their new employees at a, at a rate of 3% of their salary, the initial contribution. Okay. Um, the, the Secure Act 2.0 decided that they also want to push employers uh, each year to increase those automatic enrollments by 1% a year so that we get closer to a goal of, say, 10%. Um, but not more than 15%. So the, the the Congress feels like in an ideal situation, the majority of Americans that are contributing to these plans would mostly benefit if they were able to contribute between a 10 and 15% of their overall pay. Yeah. And that is a lot to contribute if you're not contributing today, right? Um, but <clears throat> the way that they're coming up with this idea is, well, let's start at 3% and let's ratchet it up 1% a year, right? And and get to that 10% level. Now, why are they thinking that? Well, in many situations, um, cost of living adjustments, salary increases, as you uh, continue to work with the same employer, you're, you're, you should be making more. And as a result of that, you should be able to save a little bit more without having to really feel yeah. it, right? So that's the whole purpose and idea. Well, I think that's great. I mean, I wish they had had that when I got my first full-time job. Uh, I did not take advantage of the 401k. Uh, I didn't pay much attention to benefits, you know, when you're young and in your twenties and you got a lot going on or you're trying to start a career and, 
you know, those types of things. But, uh, when, you know, my, my last few jobs, that's what I did is I started at 3% and rolled it up a certain amount and just had it automatically increase each year. And I've got that built in now, but I like the automatic enrollment. It's a forced savings for people because social security isn't enough and it might not be there for them. That's, that's yeah. totally right. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, um, and the next couple things that we're going to talk about, Tony, um, kind of go hand in hand with that. Now, clearly, a lot of people say, well, um, if I'm forced to save and I can only use it for one thing, retirement, you know, that's that's kind of a downer. Well, there's lots of things that happened in the Secure Act that actually would allow you to take the money out and do different things with it if you needed to. So the first of those is an emergency savings account. Okay, so the way that this works is beginning in 2024. Employers can establish an emergency savings account where employees can save up to $2,500 in a Roth style account. So after tax and then distributions would be treated like a qualified distribution from a Roth account, meaning tax free if requirements are met. Okay. So it allows people to save more than they typically have up to $2,500 a year and know that they could have um, an emergency savings account if for some reason something happened and they needed to get some money out. Wow. Uh, the Secure Act 2.0 is a lot of changes. Uh, and they, every one you've read, none of them are insignificant. They all are important for our listeners out there to understand. Uh, but you don't have to go it alone. That's why you're on top of these things. Uh, people need to work with a financial services professional. And to do that, they can ju- just visit jonesfinancialtalk.com. Go to the website, check it out. So what's next on the list of changes? Yes. So, you know, we've had this um, um, savers credit for many, many years, and this is to really encourage those with low and uh, moderate incomes um, to make, you know, qualified retirement savings contributions, right? And the interesting thing here is it's going to allow some employers to actually have a matching contribution, okay, Um, or the government will actually, in some situations, have a matching contribution. So think of this. And starting in 2027, the government will actually provide 50% credit on savings up to $2,000. So it's a $1,000 maximum credit. And that credit is available regardless of whether the taxpayer has an income tax liability or not. So they're going to chunk in some money as well. That's great. I wish it started sooner than 27, but uh, that's good. I know. Well, it's interesting how they... um, how they kind of project out when they want these different things sure. to start. And a lot of it has to do with uh, retirement planners and as well as employers being able to organize all this stuff in a timely well, sure. manner. I yeah. mean, <laughs> there's nothing worse than coming out with new legislation and saying, well, we're going to go ahead and backdate it. And if you weren't doing it for the last six months, you're going to get a penalty um, or going forward, you got to start it right now. Right. I mean, employers and, uh, and everybody has HR is busy, departments and, so they need and employers time. everywhere would be screaming and yeah. Yeah, it is good right. though that they rolled some of the changes out immediately, like the the change in age for RMDs. That's an, that's a no brainer. So there are changes that uh, take effect immediately this year too. So what's next? Well, actually, since you mentioned RMDs, Tony, one thing that I failed to mention earlier was, you know, in the past, if you did not take your RMD or if you did not take the complete RMD it was the worst penalty in the tax code. It was a 50% tax, right? An excise tax. And why? <laughs> I mean, we're taking money away from um, people that have saved and, and 50% p- 
penalty, I mean, that's huge. So um, the reduction in the RMD excise tax is what is key here. That is um, huge the, because that the was secure, the largest IRS penalty in the books, right? That 50%. You got if it. If you miss taking an RMD, they could uh, penalize you by 50%, plus you still have to take the RMD, plus you still have to pay taxes on it. So that was that was huge. So they've reduced, they've cut that in half to 25. They have, yep. They moved it from 50 to 25, which still is pretty steep. And the reason why they keep it steep is because people need to be on top of this and make sure that they actually yeah. do take their required minimum Just another reason you have that, to work with a financial services professional to make sure that's set up correctly. And the key here is most people that I have worked with have multiple different IRAs. Yeah. They've maybe got an annuity. They've maybe got market accounts. They've maybe got different investments. You have to make sure that you're taking the complete RMD for your total IRA um, every single year. And if you're not sitting down with somebody that's helping you calculate that, errors can easily occur. So you definitely need to talk to your financial advisor about yeah, that. Be, that could be a, a huge error, 25% even now. Definitely. Definitely. Um, a couple other key things that people probably would be interested in two more maybe before we go today. One, there is a student loan matching program that's now available. So student loan payments will be treated as um, employee elective deferral for purposes of matching contributions. Wow. That's great. Wow, a student you know, loan so match program. That sounds great. And then the other main thing that you mentioned uh, kind of at the top of the show was allowing annuities to be in 401k plans. And so uh, there will be some barriers that get removed so that there, there can be annuities used in qualified plans um, by exempting certain annuity features from what are called actuarial tests uh, that would otherwise prohibit sure. their use. And so we have found this year specifically how important it is to use specific types of annuities, like fixed indexed annuities, when the market drops 20% in a yeah. year, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you'd be glad so, you had a bucket nice of thing. money that wasn't all in that market. So that was in an annuity where your principal's protected. So, and you, you didn't exactly have to right. participate in the downside. Well, we're out of time for today's show. It was a good one. Uh, Nick, let our listeners know before we go how they can get a hold of you. Listeners, lots and lots of information today. We try to come and bring some good education to you. And I'm sorry if we overloaded you a little bit today. There's a lot there, but. <clears throat> Lots of great information on my website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. If you'd like, you can actually go on there and uh, request more information about the Secure Act 2.0. I've got plenty of things I can uh, share with you and uh, would love to have a conversation if any of these are of interest to you as well. All right. Sounds good. And that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be 
from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. 